using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude, or you even maybe came up with it on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean? I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Carney from kristenandchill.com. And of course, I'm here with Marnie Kinris. Well, I shouldn't say of course, because we've kind of missed some episodes together. But <laughs> surprisingly, you're here with Marnie Kinris. Right? <laughs> no, no. And surprisingly, you're here with me. Co-host Marnie Kinris from winggirlmethod.com. And today we're going to talk about how to communicate with women. And we have Laura Doyle with us who is a New York Times bestselling author, just like me, kidding. She's also the star of Empowered Wives on Amazon Prime and hosts the Empowered Wives podcast. Laura educates women on four ways to have deep communication with their man and how to fix a relationship without his conscious effort. This is so fascinating. Laura, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Yes. I know. I'm so excited to have you here because we're going to learn about how to communicate with women today, which I think is such an essential thing. I actually had a masterclass a couple of months ago for my guys with an amazing therapist, Tara Harrison. And she taught the guys about how to communicate with women, how to build trust, how to emotionally connect with women, how to hold space for their emotions. And that went over extremely well. Guys just absolutely loved it because I think it's such a missing piece for so many men because they aren't taught this and they don't feel the need for it the same way as women. But before we dive into how to communicate with women, I just want to hear some backstory on how you got into this space and doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, it all started when I was trying to save my own marriage. Doesn't it always start that way? (laughs) Right? Doesn't it always start that way? I I mean, I married this guy who is so smart and just uh, musically talented, really handsome, funny. And then a few years in, I thought, well, this is not working. Like he's changed. He's So I just started giving him helpful advice. I was going to help him be more ambitious and more romantic. And Oh, because men love that, right? Advice from their significant they other. They love that. <laughs> so that was working great, as you can imagine. I'm in the future now too, so we all know. And that didn't work at all of it. And he just was more interested in watching reruns than he was in spending time with me or even making love to me. And I thought, well, there's definitely something wrong with him because everyone knows men like sex. So I thought, well, 
I know what to do because everyone knows that if you can't have a conversation without starting a fight, then of course you have to go to marriage counseling. Everyone knows. So I dragged him to marriage counseling and I was there dutifully waiting for the counselor to fix him so I could finally be happy. And that didn't work either. In fact, actually we were at one point, I remember the counselor was like, I don't know if you realize you're a little controlling to me, to me. She said this and I'm oh, like- Oh, I had that as well, yeah. <laughs> the record scratches like, you know, like, hey, we're here to fix him. Let's stay focused here on the problem, right? But it wasn't working. We went for over a year. We spent over $9,000 and this was over 20 years ago. So that was a lot of money back then. And I remember I was on the counselor's gray couch when I thought, he's never going to change. We're too far apart. And I'm either going to have to get divorced or I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life in a loveless marriage. And so it seemed like only logical that I, I would just have to get divorced. And I decided I would. But there was one problem. And that was that I was kind of embarrassed. Like people had been to the wedding not that many years before, like seven, eight years before. So I thought as a last ditch effort, I'm going to ask women who have happy marriages what their secrets are. And so I did that. And they said things that were like crazy. They didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't think I can do it. But I was desperate enough. I thought, I'm just going to experiment. Can I hear some of the things that they said? Because that would be interesting. I remember one woman said, well, I try never to criticize my husband, no matter how much it seems like he deserves it. I was like, have you got anything else? You know. And then um, the, <laughs> I, was like, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think you were supposed to do that. I thought part of being a wife, right, would be to give feedback and feedback is criticism or help. Can I just ask you a question? Is that because you also wanted that feedback or you would have wanted that in return from him? Mm, I don't think so. Not necessarily. No, I just wanted him to improve. I wanted him to change. And I thought I could do that. And I thought criticism was the way to make that happen. And it turns out I was completely wrong. That's not how you do it at all. So these women had really much better methods. And I just remember, I realized, because I felt like such a victim in my marriage. Like, you know, it's like, I just have to wait for him to change. And he wasn't changing. And then I remember I tried like some of the things they suggested, not for very long even. And I walked through the door one night, my husband's face lit up to see me. He was happy to see me again. And that had been gone. So I thought, okay, Something is working here and it's something I'm doing because he's not doing anything. It's like, it's over here. I've got the power. So that did feel like a big breakthrough. And I was super excited because I thought, okay, you know, I really wanted to have a great marriage. I wanted it so bad. And I just remember like, okay, now I know what to do and I can just do that. And then, you know, what happened was we were in the car. We had a lot of big fights in the car. That was our- That was your fighting space, yeah. In the car. Yeah, it was a fighting space. Yeah, because I think because he couldn't get out, you know, like he's driving. So I'm like, okay. And so just like not too long after his face lit up that night and I got all hopeful, we had a big blow up in the car again. And I was saying horrible things. He was saying horrible things back. And I knew I was gonna, like I could hear myself saying things I was gonna regret later, right? And I just thought, this is really disappointing because I thought this wasn't gonna happen anymore. And now it's happening. So I had this idea like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm having trouble making myself do it. I can't get myself to do it. And the new stuff, it wasn't that hard. It was just, it was new. So I, I had the idea, okay, I'm going to get some of my other friends together, my girlfriends who are also complaining about their marriages. We're going to all do this together. I'm going to have like a little support group in my living room. And there were, there were like five of us. And so I was like, okay, try this, you know, try saying that. 
try doing this or whatever. And they would, and they were reporting miracles. Like this one woman was, she goes, oh, my husband won this sales contest at work. He took us on the most romantic getaway of our lives. And that was, of course, that was a big win. But this other woman was like, you know what, you guys might not sound big to you, but we've been fighting for months about, I want him to paint the family room. And she's like, you know what he did? He caught up. And he's like, I'm going to paint the family room today. And he did with a smile. And he was all happy about it. He was proud. So we knew like something is happening. And one of the women said, can you write down what we're doing for my cousin in Florida? We're in California. And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. I'll write it down. And that became my first book. And I remember Dateline came and did like an investigative report on my workshops and stuff. And the book went to number one on Amazon, became a New York Times bestseller. It was published in 19 languages in 30 countries. Like who knew that the women who have happy marriages would have the right information, right? To like actually that other women could use and make their marriages happy too. So it was kind of a miracle. And that was over 20 years ago. I've been on this mission to end world divorce ever since. Anyway, it's now I've helped tens of thousands of students. They come through my campus. We offer coaching. I train coaches. I have about 50 coaches who show women how to make their marriages last and make them thrive, make them the marriage they dreamed of having when they were a little girl. I absolutely love it. Now let's reverse engineer yes. this for the guys yes. who are listening because I think that it, it's really, really important. Like, trust me, I want a few tips after we get off of this call <laughs> yeah, for yeah. myself. Sure. But I want to hear on the reverse side, how can men communicate to women in a way that isn't offensive or off-putting that these are the things that they need? Because I think a lot of the times, and you know this better than I do because you deal with relationships, people become silent and sometimes they don't really know how to express what it is that they need. And a lot of guys that I work with get into the situation where they need some alone time, but they don't want to say it to the girl that they're dating, or they need at least an hour a night where they are by themselves or an hour of a night where they're getting massaged by somebody. And they don't know how to express these things to the woman that they're dating, that they're in a relationship with, whatever. I would love for you to help the guys on how they can communicate these things. Totally. I always think of this You know, I think there's been like a lot of pressure lately to say that men and women are the same, like there's no difference. And I just love, there was a study at the University of Toronto where they established, I'm glad you guys are sitting down as I tell you this, you know, that women are more (laughs) emotional than men. No way. No, no. no. It's out of town. Yeah, I know, right? So there's research money well spent, right? To find that out. There's (laughs) research to back it too. Wow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) But it's from Canadians, so we can't really trust that, right? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It was really... I'm just joking. I'm Canadian from Toronto. I'm just joking. But no, but that's interesting. And it's interesting that you say that because we do have this push now to say that we are so equal, but we are so different in so many areas as individuals and as genders. You know, and I just always think about Marilyn Monroe saying that women who seek equality with men lack ambition because in some ways, we have it so good. You know, men just want us to be happy. I've asked thousands of men, how important is it to you that your wife is happy? And they all say the same thing. Or your girlfriend, how important is it that your date is happy? And they're like, oh yeah, that's the most important thing. That's everything. In the UK, they say that's imperative, right? So they all say the same thing across the board. So it's like, well, why is she feeling like, oh, he doesn't care about my happiness? We know that's not true. She does, but women are more emotional than men, right? And so, and sometimes it's an emotional brilliance that we have. It's really a gift, but we're the ones that are responsible for emotions in the relationship. And so I think in some ways men are thinking like, well, how can I, how can I be really careful of her emotions? Like, how can I really take care of her in this way? And in some ways, I think that 
it's actually been a disservice to men that we try to make them carry that burden because men are not women. Uh, women are not, you know, like smaller, less hairy men either. We're totally different. Well, some of us are, but... All right, exactly. I love the way that men are already hardwired for our happiness. So for me, like them just showing up the way that is instinctively, intuitively, I'll say manly, I think is great. So even if it is, and because that is fundamentally what we're most attracted to, you know, the the excitement and the passion, the relationship is never going to be better than when the gender contrast is set to high because opposites really do attract, right? And I, I love that there was this comparative religions student who explained once that the concepts of yin and yang, and so maybe that's more politically correct for us to talk about yin and yang instead of male and female, right? So yin would be the equivalent of the feminine. And that's the part that receives. So if you talk about a, like a coffee cup, you take every object has yin and yang. So a coffee cup has the part that's on the inside where you can pour coffee, right? That holds coffee. And the yang would be like the ceramic part and the handle, the structure. And if you think about it, like a cup of coffee that can't receive coffee, that it has no purpose. It's useless. And so men, you know, part of the way they feel loved is when they are carrying heavy things for us. They are killing scary spiders. They're solving our problems. That's what makes them feel loved. So if we're not receptive, then they don't feel like they have a purpose. So I think in a lot of ways, even asking men to turn themselves into pretzels to communicate a certain way is kind of to discount the incredible value and wonderfulness that men bring to a relationship just by being men, not through their emotional brilliance, but through this servant's heart that they all seem to come pre-wired with. Okay, interesting. So that will pose conflict for so many women, right? So I know that you're teaching women to sort of accept that. Accept it? <laughs> well, not Celebrate accept it, understand it. <laughs> it, for sure. Well, I mean, why do we fall in love? Why do we get so excited when we meet a man and that wonderful conversation happens about like, oh my gosh, I just thought you were so amazing. You're so smart and I love what you're doing. And you know, you're just so handsome. Like it had to be you, right? It's because they are showing up as the way they show up. And I think the counter is like, oh no, they do that and then they change. But I think what's really more common is the woman changes. I know for me, I got really caught up in just day-to-day life, right? I had my job and the mortgage and housework and maintaining the cars or whatever. And I went from being like that goddess of fun and light that he fell in love with to being like, I call her the goddess of Wikipedia and, you know, the woman that knows all and will tell you what you need to know about you, right? So it's not as attractive. And so, you know, should he accommodate that, that I'm like kind of miserable and just sort of slogging it out? He wants me to be happy. I certainly have a big responsibility to be happy, but I think where men have a lot of power in that situation is to call that out. I definitely agree with you. So how do men communicate with women about these changes that they're seeing happening in front of? Because let's say this man is staying exactly the way that he is. I've been with my husband for 17, 18 years. And I will say, yes, things about him have changed. He's grown in certain ways. But at the very core, he is a very similar person to who he was when I met him. I, like you just said myself, have shifted and changed because of the roles that I'm now playing, because of the age that I'm at. I've definitely shifted and changed and my expectations are different of the other person, right? Right. right. So how do these two people who are going through these changes and lack of changes communicate to one another? And because this is an audience of men that we're speaking to, how would you advise 
the men that are listening to not become emotional saps, right? To not become the feminine version, but to stay in their masculine while still learning how to communicate with women. So you had identified that there were things that women were doing, right? So I, I know from Alison Armstrong, that all men want to do is make you happy. And I'm sure that, you know, one of the things that were said to your group was to say to a man, you've made me happy doing X, Y, and Z, or don't criticize is one of the examples. How does a man communicate this to a woman that these are his needs now, or that he's not shifting and she is without pointing the finger and having a woman be defensive about these things? Like what is the safest way for a man to do this with the woman in his life? I'm thinking about one of my coaches her husband actually bought her my first book and said, I feel like, th- you know, this would help us. Like, why don't you read this? And that book was very controversially named. <laughs> so my new book is called The Empowered Wife. <laughs> That's the one I, I'd recommend doing. What was the first one called? All right. I'm glad you guys are sitting down for this because <laughs> I was in my own little world. It was called The Surrendered Wife. So you can kind of imagine where that really kind of rubs some people wrong. Now, surrendered is just what we all have to do every day, right? If you're sitting in traffic, you wish that traffic would move, but you can't make it move. But you could decide like, oh, I'm going to listen to music I love. I'm going to talk on the phone. I'm listen to an audiobook, right? And then you could end up being grateful that you got that time. So a surrendered wife knows she can't change anyone besides herself. She doesn't try. She won't tell her husband like how to drive or what to eat or what to do at work. She just focuses on her own happiness. And that in turn really improves the intimacy in the relationship. So that's what it was all about. But anyway, he bought her The Surrendered Wife. So speaking of like trying to say something to somebody and she was like, yeah, I'm not going to read that, right? But then she, they were really having a breakdown in their marriage and she became curious. Like, well, what was in that book? He was trying to say, he said, like, I feel like this book explains what I've been trying to tell you. And so she opened this book. She was on a train with her baby, like leaving their marriage. And she opened the book and read it and had a kind of an awakening, like, Oh, and it was really just from me describing like the very embarrassing things I said and did in my marriage, (laughs) like things you don't really want other people to know about that she was like, oh my gosh, I do that too. Like, did Laura have a tape recorder in my dining room? Because this sounds like (laughs) exactly what goes on at my house. So anyway, she read it, she became open, she got coaching, she became a coach. She's actually now a very powerful coach who helps other women make their marriages last and thrive and learn how to feel desired and taken care of and special in their marriages. So in some ways, I think that's powerful because I interviewed a husband recently who was talking about how his wife was really after him to stop drinking. She was just totally like, she'd poured out his booze. She'd tell him, you drink too much. You're an alcoholic. You know, you got to stop. We have these two kids. And he goes, when she would say it, I would just drink more. And I was interviewing him because his wife had gone through our program and she was actually training to become a coach as well. And he was sharing, he's like, yeah, I'm 18 months sober because she got out of my space. She started to, I could see she trusted me. She was treating me with respect again. And he goes, and that's when I got really motivated to make that change. So I think in some ways, and it's not something that he's never told her before. Like when you say that, it just makes me want to drink more, right? But she couldn't hear it that well from him. She had to hear it from somebody else, specifically a woman. Yeah. Or even another man yeah. saying and, it. Yeah. Know? And then a lot of times they'll say like, oh, I, I know my husband was, my husband's been trying to tell me this. He's even been saying, do you need to go to yoga? Do you want to go out with your friends? Like he's trying to figure out ways for her to do things that'll make her happy. And I know for me, I got kind of committed to my misery. Like it wasn't fun, but it was familiar. I was kind of used to it. Like that whole martyr syndrome, right? I think I kind of studied my mom, dear old mom. 
And that's how she handled things. And my parents are divorced. So it was a failed recipe I was following. But I think it can be pretty challenging to bust in on a woman who's kind of committed to her misery like I was. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back with Laura Doyle and talk more about communication with women. The big game is finally here as we hit Super Bowl Sunday with the last game of the football season and Bet Online has you covered. From odds, scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get you started. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting, or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. All right. We are back with the New York Times bestselling author, Laura Doyle. So Laura, you work with a lot of women. Like that is your space and world. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about why these women say that things have changed for them? Like, why do they suddenly do these things to men? Where does this happen that they feel the need to pick and probe and change? Such a great question. So, you know, it was interesting. Remember my story about going to the counselor and she was like, I don't know if you realize you're kind of controlling, right? And I remember saying like, oh, okay, I am like, well, how do I stop? And she's like, yeah, you know, just stop being so controlling. And I was like, how do I do that? Right. I didn't have any idea how to do that. And fortunately I was able to gain that from talking to the happily married women. And one of the big aha moments, one of the huge insights about that, that I had was that underneath the urge to control is always fear. You're always afraid. So if you're not afraid, you're going to get stuck in traffic. You don't have to tell them like, Hey, better not go on the freeway at this hour. Or, you know, if you're not afraid, he's going to buy a car that's not practical then you don't have to say, hey, a family of four is not going to fit in a two-person sports car or whatever. Or if you're not afraid, he's going to die and leave you a widow. You don't have to like try to control his eating, right? But this is interesting information for the guys that are listening, right? So everything you just said, the control comes from fear. So even having that knowledge for yourself that if a woman starts to control, it's because she's scared of something potentially happening to you or happening to her or happening to both of you. So then in those moments, like, 
I see a path there, right? Men could step in at that moment and still be the men to make them happy and feel safe again. And they could actually say something, which is just giving more words, giving more words than usual. You know what? Don't be scared. I know you're worried about me. What could men say in those instances to help? You know, what's interesting is, so as a mere mortal man, a lot of times if your wife is telling you like, you know, you really should cut back on drinking sodas. They're not good for you, right? Like that's poison. Stop drinking that or whatever. It kind of touches on uh, what I've learned is like the most important thing for men. And that is that we trust their judgments, that we trust that they're smart that we're expecting the best outcome, right? So it's really kind of a show of like, you don't expect the best outcome (laughs) when you're saying like, don't drink those sodas, right? It's you indulging your fear instead of indulging your faith, instead of choosing that faith. Like, I know he cares about his health. You know, he drinks a lot of water or whatever it is. So I think in some cases it can be challenging if you're, if someone's like nagging you not to drink sodas to be the one to say, I know you're just, you know, you're afraid, but it's going to be okay. You know, I'm I'm always going to be here. I'm going to live a long time or whatever it is. It's like, it's a tall order. It's a big ask. It's totally a tall order, but it was also a tall order on the other side for a woman to surrender. So like these guys that are listening, they want the tall order because they can handle it. Yeah. So everything that you just said, like even saying that statement one in four times, like I know you're worried about, but I actually have been reading all these articles and reading like, or, you know, something to combat that. The issue that I notice between a lot of men and women, because I I deal mainly with men, is that men sometimes don't say enough. They're not supposed to. Women have like 10 times the amount of words to use in a day that men do. Like biologically, they're supposed to. But simply by men saying a few more words every day about what's going on for them or what they've read about or what they're thinking about things, being able to verbalize those things can totally transform an interaction so that both sides can start surrendering a little bit. I guess I worry a little bit about asking men to carry the emotional load, right? This is the emotional brilliance is the woman. In some ways, I think, you know, what's the typical masculine response to being nagged? It's like, talk to the hand, like going into the man cave, kind of like distancing. I don't know that that's such a bad response because in a way you could be avoiding a conflict, a bigger conflict, by doing that, it's, I mean, it's not ideal. Nobody wants to be like sleeping in separate beds or anything. But I think from the masculine side, it's like, I really think that's more the the masculine instinct. I just wouldn't want to rock that. Yeah. You know what? That is really the source of so much of what makes a relationship stick together is the contrast between the masculine and the feminine. You know, how many times have you heard women saying like, oh, he was crying. Like, oh, so it just was such a turnoff or whatever. Oh, listen, I don't want my husband crying to me every single day. No. <laughs> I know that's a huge turn off. But I will say, and maybe this is just me as a woman, but when my husband, so when he becomes a hothead and loses his temper and he gets triggered, that's when I like literally want to throw up where I'm like, you are a child and an ape right now. I do not want to have sex with you. That's how I look at him. That's the honest to God truth. But then if he comes down after and he comes back and he explains you know what? I'm really stressed out about work today. I'm having a really hard time. These people are being jerks. My heart opens up to him. So I I think there is like some level of emotional expectation and capacity with men. I totally understand where you're coming from as well and what you're saying. The only thing that I would add to it is that I think maybe if we don't label it as having the men be emotional, but just having them be verbal by just giving more words to women on both sides. Listen, I'm crazy. A lot of women are crazy. I get that. And we have controlling issues. I have control issues. But 
I think that there is work and growth on both sides that could totally happen that would be mutually beneficial. I think maybe what might be even more beneficial is for him to say more directly, like, hey, babe, I need you to trust me. I know how to eat, right? One of the things I have in my bio, it says, you know, I've been married to my husband, my hilarious husband, John, for 32 years, and he's been dressing himself since before I was born. And sometimes you can just remind me, like, I've been dressing myself since before you were born, right? Because I'm saying, like... I have two sons who don't dress themselves, so I don't know if that's actually true. (laughs) All right. It might not be true. could be fake. I mean, maybe his mom dressed him until he was 11, you know, when I was born. Yeah. Kristen, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this. I know that you lost your hearing for a little bit for this episode, but I definitely know that you've been listening and I'd love to hear what you have to say because you're in a new relationship. So this is like where these things start to shift. Yeah. I mean, I've been holding back from saying a lot of things so far because as everybody knows who's been listening, my mom passed away a year ago and I'm in a new relationship and it's really tricky because I want to cry on his shoulder every day and I want to be emotionally exchanging a lot of information like how I feel about life and death. And I want to talk about my mom and I want to tell him all about my mom. I want the support, but I also know he's not a grief counselor. And so it's a really tricky position to be in because he is definitely more logical-based. He's not like this deep philosophical type. So when I say I'm having a hard day, he'll say, if you need a hug, I'm here. Oh, that's good. Which is great, but it's also like, I want an exchange, like a mutual exchange of a conversation about it, not just a hug. So it's like, I'm overly emotional and I think he's underly emotional. So it's a really, really, really tricky place to be and I'm trying to navigate it without scaring him away with all of my scary emotions as a woman who lost her beloved mother. He doesn't have any experience with loss. So it's really tricky to get on the same page. The more gentle he is with me, the more like Marnie said, like, well, not gentle. Marnie didn't say gentle, but the less ape-like he is, the more I want to be closer to him. And I'm not saying he's ape-like, but it's like, that shallow level of conversation of just like, I know you're hurting, I can't do anything to help you is a really difficult place to be. But I'm trying my best to navigate it and to be on the same page together in some way without there becoming a gap. Yeah, sorry to hear about your mom. It is a big loss for sure. I know for me, one of the things that used to come up a lot around here too was that I would be emotional about something like that, right? Something that maybe has nothing to do with my husband. Like there's no complaint or criticism of him involved. And yet, and I would feel like he only had the limited emotional support that he could give me. And one of the things that became really clear that I'm aware of now is like, if I'm having a bad day, it can take uh, three best friends, two sisters, and my husband to put me right. Like, I can't rely on this one mere mortal man to be my total emotional support. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Kristen, but of course, suffering the death of your mom, you do need a lot of support. 
And for me, like having girlfriends, and that was one of the things I learned from those women was they were like, oh, you know, I just go and talk to my girlfriends. And we can't expect our, our men to be our girlfriends. They are going to be a little bit different. And so it's amazing to me how much it improved my relationship to really strengthen those relationships. And my husband will even say, like, do you need to call Kathy? Or <laughs> like right now, like there's, there'll be times, right? When I'm just really in an emotional state and he wants me to have more support than just he can give me. He also wants to be that for me and that vulnerability is very connecting, but maybe more than just one mere mortal man can handle. Yeah, I agree with that. Putting that on one person is a lot. I remember before when I first started dating my husband and I was talking to him about like work stuff and business. And I have, I would say a stronger business mind versus my husband. And I was getting frustrated with him that he like couldn't talk business with me. And he's like, do you want a business partner or a partner in life? I can be your partner in life, but not your business partner. And that was very enlightening for me where I was like, oh, you're right. Like, I'm coming to you for everything. I have to spread out at who I have access to, to be able to talk about different things. So I completely hear what you're saying on that. But yeah, I mean, listen, female emotions are tough for a man to understand because they're not male emotions. But I think even this conversation here can be really enlightening for a lot of them to just hear what we experience in a calm state where we're not pointing the finger at them. Just like you said before, you know, when a man gives the woman in his life your book, I think for the guys who are listening, just hearing this from somebody who isn't their significant other can be really eye-opening to just know what does go on for us and how hard we actually are on ourselves when it seems like we're being hard on. So I think that this was an amazing conversation. And Laura, I'm so glad that you were here to talk about this with us. Do you want to tell people how they can get access to your book so they can start dishing it out to the women in their lives? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So The Empowered Wife is available, of course, on Amazon and all bookstores and everything else. It's also a bestseller. And that's the one I'd recommend because it really lays out the six intimacy skills that she can use. And it's really about her knowing how to trigger his hero gene so that she's like expressing her desires in a way that inspires instead of maybe complaining or nagging, which men can't even hear. So yeah, the best place to go is to get that at Amazon. Women can get the Adored Wife Roadmap on my website, which is lauradoyle.org. And that's free right now. It's pretty cool. Also lays out the six steps and the three mistakes that women make trying to get his attention and time and affection. I like that. Sorry, I'm just typing in your website right now. I'm going to get the roadmap. Because I need a little tweaker every once in a while, like just to remember these things. You get really lost in your life and you go into old habits, but I need a refresher on these things so I can be a better wife. Yeah. I'm not so great right now. So I love that. Right. Lots of stress going on in our lives. So it's challenging. And he's an amazing husband. So I'm really messing up lately. Oh, it can't be that bad. You speak that highly of him. I can hear your yeah. respect. Well, he's lazy and he gets stuck in things. So I, <laughs> yeah, well, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm just joking. I'm just, no, 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 no. But I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing this wisdom with the guys. And hopefully they heard the right things from this, I think. I hope that they can really hear some of the pain that women experience, right? And the challenges. And sometimes, again, I'll say it, that the nagging isn't always really towards you. There's other things going on for the women in your lives. But yeah, thanks again for being on the show. And I definitely suggest, guys, you go check out Laura's website and her book. I think it'll be very transformational for both you and the women in your lives. And Kristen, if you want to get more information on how to banter with women and... I'm not sure if you're doing online profiles anymore. I know there was a long waiting list before. 
but you can go to christianandchill.com. And new episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. We've had a lot of reruns recently, but we're not going to anymore because we have a ton of new episodes coming out for you that you are absolutely going to love. You guys are awesome. We will see you next week.